This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Gist is brought to you by Harry's, the new shaving company that offers German-engineered blades, well-designed handles, and shipping right to your door, all at a fraction of the price of other razors. Visit harrys.com and use the promo code THEGIST. It's Tuesday, August 26th, 2014. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Dateline Richmond, the trial of Bob McDonald, former governor of Virginia, indicted on 14 counts of public corruption. He and his wife took thousands and thousands of dollars from a donor. It is, well, not alleged. That's a fact. Did the donor do anything for those donations? That's what the trial's about. Maybe he was in a slave dominatrix relationship with donor Johnny Williams, who enjoyed the humiliation of giving large sums with nothing in return. Maybe the governor told his donor that if he stopped giving, the governor wouldn't use his mystical powers to contact Johnny Williams' dead grandma on the state Ouija board. Those are two defenses not being used by the defense team. The defense that is being used is to blame the first lady. A close cousin of the Twinkie defense, the nutbag gambit, is an actual word from the trial that the first lady was a nutbag. The nutbag gambit says the first lady was so greedy it was all her fault, but she was also so estranged ranged from the governor, he couldn't have known what was going on. And GM has to pay its lawyers for this level of plausible deniability. So stay with me here because I want to talk about this for a little bit. My favorite detail from the trial emerged yesterday. The governor, in between bouts of governing, went back and forth over email with the real estate agent for a vacation home that he owned. I'm not able to find the bocce ball set on Hayneedle's website with the number you provided. The real estate agent emailed the governor, who admitted under cross-examine that, yes, he had made specific bocce ball set recommendations to make his headache of a vacation home more attractive to potential renters. Well, I went to the Hayneedle's website, and it is not easy to figure out which set to buy. Guess how many options they have? 41. That's a lot of bocce ball sets. From the $149 St. Pierre Tournament 107 milliliter bocce and horseshoe package to the Park and Sun 109 millimeter attache bocce set. Bocce sets that fit your lifestyle and your personal level of openness to cash donations. By the way, I figured out why the agent couldn't find the right bocce ball set. She spelled bocce wrong. She spelled it with an I, not an E. Seriously screws up the search. Today was the last day of cross-examination, and the trial ended with a flourish. The U.S. attorney concluded his cross-examination through a quote in the governor's face that McDonald actually used in his second inaugural. The scriptures say, to whom much is given, much will be required. And then the prosecutor said, Mr. Williams gave you and your family approximately $177,000 in gifts and loans, didn't he? Yes, Mr. McDonald replied. Now you have to understand, McDonald has been living with his parish priest during the trial. It's like morality laundering. But to be flayed by scripture when you yourself wrap yourself up in religion, it's poetic. 
The question is, will it be justice? Well, as the good book said, for I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. But woe be unto those who take Lion Sports clear resin 107mm tournament bocce set. The things they delight in do not profit, nor do they qualify for free shipping. I am the Lord thy God. And if you look closely, my ball's a little bit closer to the Polina. That's that is. It's a little closer. It's a little bit. All right. On the show today, I spiel about red carpets and some questions we should be asking that we're not. We go inside Yo, the app Yo. It's a hoedown. It's a throwdown. It's a yo-down. But first, they're public and they have integrity. They're certainly centered. We need to be paying attention. It was a throwaway sentence about a little red agreement on a little followed topic, and it grabbed me. Actually, it was literally a huge topic, an asteroid hurtling toward Earth that could kill us all kind of big. That's actually what it was about, asteroids hurtling towards Earth that could kill us all. And Russia and the United States teamed up to do something about these asteroids, potentially to blow them up in outer space, that sort of thing. But the partnership has died. The New York Times reported on this, and in its reporting included the following statement. The September Accord was posted online late last year by the Center for Public Integrity, a nonprofit news organization based in Washington. The disclosure received little public notice. Well, that's not right. It should have received lots of notice. What other things are posted online with little public notice that should get public notice? Well, I have some public listening to me, the just listeners, influencers, early adopters of Yo, those sort of people. So let's talk to Gordon Whitkin, the executive editor of the Center for Public Integrity, about those proverbial trees that silently fall in private forests of dishonor. Hello, Gordon. Hi, how are you? So we get, before we get to these other things that the public needs to notice, I want to talk about that asteroid article because you must have thought, look... Some of the stuff we write about has phrases like Medicaid in it or Dodd-Frank in it, and you know no one's going to read those. But asteroid hurtling through space, didn't you have high hopes for that? We loved that story. We thought it was a natural, like, hey, you know, asteroids from outer space. I mean, what else, you know, aside from puppies? I mean, that just felt like it would go viral. Exactly. So what are some of the things that are receiving little public notice that uh, if you could speak to the public, you would say, hey, notice? One subject we've done a lot on that we think is terribly uh, undercovered is the so-called Medicare Advantage program. This is the privately run alternative to Medicare that is available for seniors uh, and is run by private firms created in Congress to try to privatize Medicare a little bit. And uh, our reporting has shown that the the private firms are widely uh, manipulating the criteria uh, the feds use to establish their payments to garner billions that may be unnecessary from the taxpayers. Uh, we did an investigation that uh, documented that the feds' own auditors had found from 2008 to 2013 nearly 70 billion in improper payments to this program. And the criteria is something called a risk score. The feds will pay more to these private companies for patients who are sicker. And that would make some sense, except the formula is subject to inflation and manipulation. And what we found was, compared to the baseline, 
of health for patients in standard Medicare that, surprise, surprise, the risk scores of the patients in Medicare Advantage in many, not all counties, was soaring, which meant the payments to the private firms uh, was soaring. Uh, we found risk scores rising sharply in a thousand counties between 2007 and 2011, costing taxpayers an additional 36 billion uh, in questionable payments. It is not likely to get a lot of attention from Congress because elderly folks seem to like the privately run Medicare Advantage programs because they have additional perks like memberships in health clubs and so on and so forth. So even some politicians uh, who criticized the overpayments of Medicare Advantage a few years ago have changed their tune and, and now seem to love it. So despite a raft of reporting by us and others, federal audits showing a lot of wasted money in this program don't expect anything to happen to try to reduce uh, the fleecing of the taxpayers on this front. So let's compare this to, so what's the story you did that was picked up everywhere? We did a series that actually uh, won this year's Pulitzer Prize for investigative reporting. Uh, it was a collaboration uh, with ABC News on black lung. And the story basically concluded that corrupt lawyers and corrupt doctors, even at Johns Hopkins, were essentially conspiring with the coal companies in administrative law proceedings to deny black lung benefits for minors who were clearly ill with black lung. If I compare that story with the, the Medicaid story, it seems to me the black lung story has a couple features. It has really identifiable victims, like human, a human face, not just yeah, a dollar that, figure. And that, and that was huge. That we was tried huge. to focus on, on real human stories, and, and also, they were right. indeed very and, tragic. And it also seems to have a real, uh, I don't want to oversimplify it, but a villain. I mean, a bi- huge institutions that were doing something wrong and knew that they were doing something wrong, as opposed to the Medicaid story, which is maybe good intentions, maybe not, but a little bit harder to, you know, point your fingers at. A less clean narrative. Absolutely. I mean, we're not above here, or is journalism above at this point, looking for compelling narratives that feature human stories and also feature heroes and villains. It just is a lot simpler and a lot more compelling. Now, I'm thinking about another story. This is not, I don't know that there's a victim per se, but I would think that your story about how the artificial sweetener industry just pummels scientists who produce good science that they don't like, just pummels them, would have gotten more pickup. But if you could tell me a little bit about the story and maybe why you think that that has languished a bit. Sure. We did a piece that's actually part of a series we've begun looking at what we call the propaganda industry. Kind of a case study in how an academic work by a Purdue University professor uh, raising questions about the health threats of artificial sweeteners, uh, how she was savaged by an organization called the Calorie Control Council, which sounds benign enough, but when you peel the onion, as often happens in Washington, you find that that's actually not some sort of grassroots group at all, but an industry group funded by the artificial sweetener industry and run by a PR firm. And their job is to impugn the integrity and try to knock down scientific studies that conflict with their mission, which is to sell as many artificial sweeteners as you can. And with that case, it's unlike the black lung case. You can't say, 
point to a group of victims and say these people have had their body ravaged ravaged by sweet and low or whatever but this group is trying to get in the way of science and journalistically it seems proper to set this as a pitched battle among lobbyists but i think people tune out to these lobbyists go too far type of stories and look these are you know washington policy battles i think they do have real effects but it is sometimes a little bit harder to ask people to read deep and connect the dots when you can't start out with a a really tragic victim. Now, there's an old quote, I think it's A.J. Liebling, who said freedom of the press is guaranteed only to those who own one. Now, with the Internet, that's less true, but it's still kind of true. You have a website, but if you don't partner with a big TV network or a big paper, do you find that your stories just don't get out there as effectively? There are times that's true, although in this day and age, there are so many different ways for your story to get out there. You know, sometimes something we do is picked up by someone and featured on Reddit. But your basic point uh, is correct. We are looking for partners to be force multipliers for what we think is is important journalism. And our website is, we're proud of it, and it's it's growing. But we focus on long-form investigative reporting. We're not a daily news site. We don't cover celebrities. So our ceiling is, is going to be lower than other more pop culture sites. Well, my suggestion would be you keep the name for the center, but your website, your public face, has something really catchy, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> That ain't right. Or uh, what's with this crap? (laughs) Gordon Witkin, executive editor of the Center for Public Integrity. Thank you very much, Gordon. Thanks for your time, Mike. Hi, I use Harry's razors and you should too. Well, this all depends on three factors, I would say. Factor one, you have a face. Factor two, that face produces stubble. Factor three, you think $5 per shave is a little too much because that's what conventional razors cost, right? It's like 32 bucks for a pack of four. It's crazy. Harry's has an amazing deal. For 15 bucks, they have what's called their starter set. You get a razor, you get moisturizing shave cream, you get three razor blades, you know, and the razors are great. They bought a factory in Germany to make their razors. It works. It works on my face. I don't shave that much. I'm down to twice a week. When I do, I use Harry's. I'm only Harry's at this point. And it's a great way to support the gist. You go to harrys.com, and Harry's will give you $5 off if you type in the coupon code THEGIST with your first purchase. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com. Enter the coupon code THEGIST. They note everyone who signs up using THEGIST. They give us credit for doing that. They give us a call and say, hey, Mike, glad it's helping your face. Look how many of your listeners signed up. So I will thank you if you do that. You know who else will thank you? Your face will thank you. So in the credits of the show, you've probably been hearing me plugging Yo! that we're on Yo! We're the first podcast on Yo! I assume that. We have the podcast name. That's our name on Yo! It's podcast. So what is Yo! On the one hand, the app Yo! has been described as streamlined, simple, stripped down, although some say stupid. Not me. I say it's staggeringly disruptive. It's a button. You press the button. Your friend gets a message. The message says only one thing. That word is Yo! Here to explain Yo and how Yo is going to change the world is Yo's CEO, Or Arbel. He's speaking to me from San Francisco. He's an Israeli developer. He's lived in San Francisco for uh, two months. Hello, Or. Hello. Hello. So did you come up with Yo or did someone pitch you the idea first? So the way it happened, my partner, Moshe, been working together for a few years. 
uh, he asked me to do an app for him, which has just one button uh, for his personal use to call his personal assistant. <laughs> and I thought uh, it's a silly idea, and it's really easy to do it, but to do an app like that, I, mean, I said it takes two hours, but I didn't have time to do it. Uh, so he nagged me about it, and, and, and then I, I thought about it a little bit, and I remembered that I have a friend which I communicate in the same way. I basically sent him uh, messages without saying anything, and we used to also send the word yo. Yo. Yeah, we had a conversation. The whole conversation was just yo, 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 back and forth. Then I realized it's the same kind of communication that Moshe wanted. That's how it came about. When you invented it, did it really take just two hours? It took eight hours, not two hours. Uh, and that's because we actually extended the original idea from being one big button into a list of big buttons with names and all the graphics and everything. So it took a little bit more time. So I've read that in Israel, you could get a yo, you could get a notification if uh, there's actually a rocket coming in and you should take shelter. How did that come about? Actually, I read about it on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't know it came out until I read about it on Twitter. So we have an open API and anyone can create a service that sends a yo. And developers in Israel created this service, right. so Yo is perfect for that. Right, because it goes over your lock screen, it's right there. Even if you're doing something else, the Yo will always show up. In the Wall Street Journal, Christopher Mims says that Yo is a communications protocol. Other communications protocols you may have heard of are text messages, email, and Twitter. At the risk of convincing the tech cognoscenti that I've lost my mind, I'm here to tell you that Yo, or Yo-like service, is the next Twitter. It might be even bigger. When that article came out, I'm going to guess it was a good day for fundraising at the Yo offices. Uh, we finished our fundraising a long time ago. All right. Uh, yeah, we're still having uh, a lot of investors wanting to join, but for the for this step, we got uh, enough funding. Uh, but yeah, it, it's true. Uh, Yo is a communication protocol. Yo is a is a special kind of message. Uh, there is there is no message like it. It's new, and the protocol says that when you send a yo, you subscribe, and then you can get a yo. So it is, it is a language. It is a new language. And we're implementing this language that we invented, and it can be very, very big. It has a lot of potential. If there's another iteration of yo that has a different word besides yo, maybe you'll also own no or oi or what's up. What's another word do you think that could uh, be the next yo? I currently do not think there is another word that can have the same meaning. Yo is a, such a generic word, it doesn't mean anything, and that's why it's being used uh, for so many use cases. Once we have only yo, then this yo should mean everything. Or Arbel is the CEO of yo. Thank you, Or. Thank you. And now the spiel. Oh my God, what are you wearing? If you were watching the Emmys last night, including the red carpet, you heard not only that question, but saw the debut of the E! Channel's Clutch Cam 
Variety reports E! continues its nuanced and groundbreaking coverage of the Emmy Awards red carpet this year with the Clutch Cam, which features close-up shots of all the hottest purses and bag wear of the stars. Maybe it does that, or maybe it perpetuates outdated modalities of gender. Because last night, the Representation Project found it to, quote, use film and media content to expose injustices created by gender stereotypes, embarked on the Ask Her More Project. What they did is they tweeted red carpet reporters, asking them to be more substantive in their questioning of whoever it was who played the fourth wilding on the left in Game of Thrones. So what you were to do, as directed by the Representation Project's website, is you click on the name of a red carpet reporter, and it automatically generated a tweet. So, for instance, click on Ryan Seacrest. It says, hey, at Ryan Seacrest, don't forget to ask about more than her outfit. Hashtag ask her more. Hashtag red carpet. Hey, at Billy Bush, will you hashtag ask her more than what she's wearing? X, how can Hollywood increase diversity? Hey, at Kristen DeSantos, love her outfit, but what about focusing on her acting skills and abilities? And to the e-reporters, it tweeted, hey, reporters on the at red carpet, let's talk about something other than her outfits. Hashtag ask her more. Well, he was going to talk about more than the outfits. You heard about the clutch cam, right? So how'd it go? Let's hear which social issues actually were raised on the red carpet last night. Whose dress is this? Uh, this is a custom opening ceremony dress. It's just oh, a delight. You. You yeah, said it's like professional, just like you, just like us. It's it like is. professional. It's like a professional outfit. Ellie Saab made this beautiful confection for me. I was just honored and thrilled and has a little... Pockets. Because you like to be comfortable. Yes, you look gorgeous. I am wearing Mark Bauer, custom Mark Bauer. He didn't even sketch it. He draped it on my body. And there were moments I started crying because it was so beautiful. Who are you wearing tonight, Sarah Silverman? Look at all hot. Marnie, the character from Girls. Tell me about the blonde hair. This is breaking news. Big. It is not a wig. I bleached it last week after I finished the show. I always like to do something that kind of like shows me I'm a real woman. All right, being questioned there, Julia Roberts, Lena Dunham, Sarah Silverman, Natasha Leone, Laverne Cox, taking on the big issues of the day. Well, you know, to be fair, we did not have the part where Billy Bush asked the cast of the Big Bang Theory their thoughts on the import-export bank. I think Sheldon was against it. See, I want to, what I want to do is take this idea and apply it to an ongoing source of vapidity much worse than the red carpet. I mean, gowns and handbags, they, they actually take a lot of skill and thought to pull off, right? I'm talking about a virtual content-free zone of vamping and corporate sponsorship and forced bone and uncomfortable joviality. It's the NFL pregame shows. Hey, at Coach Bill Cower, sure, the Titans running game looks unsettled, but what about airstrikes in Gaza? Good point about the read option at Howie Long. But I wonder how this plays into the issue of quelling the rise of ISIS within Syria. Hey, at Terry Bradshaw, Jaguar Schmagwars, your thoughts on purchasing longer-term assets such as 10-year treasury bonds in order to push down interest rates further down the yield curve at a follow-up if you're opposed to quantitative easing would Roger Staubach be for it? If the NFL dudes turn out to be willing to play ball, we could take the big questions to the cast of The Bachelorette. Okay, Chad, time for your confessional. Christy seemed pretty into you in that hot air balloon. Now, with that in mind, critics of conflict theory argue that it overemphasizes tensions and divisions in society between dominant and subordinate groups and underemphasizes the stability and order that exists within. Your thoughts? And if that doesn't work, I think we go back to the old reliable, oh my God, oh my God, Noam Chomsky, what are you wearing? Is that Dolce Gabbana? You look amazing.
That's it for today's show. Andrea Salenzi, producer of Slate Podcast, is compiling an oral history of what attendees of monster truck rallies have to say about the restoration comedies of John Dryden. Andy Bowers, executive producer of Slate Podcasts, is researching historical voting trends among those who say irregardless. You can listen in SoundCloud. You could go to iTunes. And there's Yo. Sometimes in these credits, I go to great lengths to explain Yo. Not today. You know Yo. Go to Yo. We're podcasting Yo. When we're ready to go, we'll Yo. Slate.com slash gist email is the way to sign up for a daily email that comes to your inbox as soon as we're ready to go. Facebook.com slash slate gist is the best way to comment on what you heard on the show and if you liked it or if I should shut up more. Our Twitter feed is slate gist. Email the gist at slate.com the gist. We will be archiving in the Library of Congress the entirety of our interviews with guys who paint their faces at Islander games on the issue of transubstantiation of the Eucharist. It's our way of saying thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Allison Benedict. And I'm Dan Coyce. Dan, what's the worst parenting fail you've admitted to on Slate's parenting podcast, Mom and Dad Are Fighting? Uh, probably the time the Tooth Fairy completely forgot to visit. Join us for expert interviews, parenting triumphs and fails, and straight talk about raising kids from age zero to finally out of the house. Just search for Slate, Mom and Dad Are Fighting in the iTunes Store or on your favorite podcast app. <laughs>